You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. everybody and welcome back to old movie time machine i'm gonna try to say it differently every time this week uh that's right you are back it's day three of premiere week very exciting uh we are of course exhausted we've been talking for hours every day back to back to back to back to back but we're happy that you're here it's premiere week it's a big time we're launching the show we're giving you the good stuff we did give you pillow talk yesterday i admit it I- I know, I know, hmm. I know how it is, and I'm sorry. I'm going to try to make it up to you today, maybe, mm, we'll find out, but of course you're wondering, my goodness, this show is brand new, what is it all about? And I will tell you right now, on this show, we are using color films made in the US of A between the years of 1945 to 1965 as windows into the past. We climb through these windows and we have ourselves a little poke around. And we take a look at the world as it was during this pivotal time following the Second World War. We're going to ask some questions while we go on this adventure. Questions like, who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating one another? What decisions are they making and why? Also, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And at the end of the show, we're going to ask the vital question on behalf of all humanity, including you, dear listener. Do we keep watching this? Like, do we, is this a thing we're going to pass on uh, to the next generation, say? Or do we just kind of, you know, just sort of ignore it, just put it back on the shelf? Fuck it. We'll find out. We're going to find out. I'm Justin Zeppa. I'll be your host through time and or space this evening. And I'm joined as ever by my uh, brilliant panel of international experts in being human. To my left, the incomparable Catherine Sherlock. Hi, Catherine. Hello. Welcome back. Day three. I know you're pumped, right? Absolutely. So psyched. Next to you, the incomprehensible Shrishma Naik. Hello. Hi, Shrishma. <laughs> Shrishma's been a try. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Shrishma, we should say, has been watching some Downton Abbey for the first time recently. Right. And now everything is coming out as Maggie Smith, right? Exactly. Yeah. So That's she- who I'm envisioning myself to be. I'll try and do the episode this week. We're glad both of you are here. Thank you. Uh, The Countess Dowager, of course, will not have seen a motion picture of such tremendous uh, color and special effects as will be discussed today. But before we get there, let's bring her in, my sis and yours, Carolyn Nowrose. Hi, Carolyn. Hi. Welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. Again, a little slightly different read. (laughs) We're going to do... Off mic, we're going to vote and figure out which one we should stick with, maybe. Today, we are talking about 1953's The War of the Worlds. Wow. Let's just do a snap judgment right now. Quick go around the table. Catherine Sherlock, give Mm. me your one-line review of George Pals. He's a buddy. Mm -hmm. The War of the Worlds. Right. Okay. So, my review would be Science Will Save Us. (laughs) In a kind of a cardigan wearing with like 
elbow patches, pipe smoking, relaxed <laughs> yes. kind yes. of way. Yes. <laughs> Some would say borderline sedate. Mm. 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 Very close to a nap, Dr. Clayton Forrester is. Mm-hmm. Is that the end of the sentence, yes. though? Because, okay, okay. Mm, because there's, there's the last five minutes of this movie. That's, I guess we'll get there. Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, the, the, obviously the assumption was. <laughs> yeah. And then... Yeah, this Other is what, things. This is what happens when you turn your back on the big man, right? <laughs> <laughs> and half the audience switches off. That's fine. Trish Nike. <laughs> Give me your one-line review. I don't have a one-line review. Okay. Um, please, can you insert that woman's scream? Yeah, hysterical. Oh, oh the hysterical scream, the <laughs> yes. meltdown. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mult- yeah there was a lot of meltdown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll put that down right here. Uh, and... There, there she is. There she is. That's yep. It. That's yep. my review. Great. Okay. Um, that could go many different ways. It's exactly. open to interpretation. Yes. Carolyn, what do you got for us? What do you think? Time capsule. Okay. That's really, I feel or, like you opened the can on this movie and you're stepping back into a very defined time in American history. Um, can I give you a punch up on that? Sure. Time cylinder. <laughs> Oh, hello. Uh, I see okay. what you did there. I see. I see what you did there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and mine, well, I've got a couple going here, but if we're going to do audio, well, okay. So first I'm thinking like the power of the U.S. military on display with a bunch of aliens. Uh, another option is also, is this my favorite movie? Uh, the third option, since we're doing audio clips, will be uh, – the initial fireball explosion and the uh, man in the crowd going, is that a fireball or something? <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. We're going to put him right in right here. Is that a fireball or something? Yeah, there he is. There he is. <laughs> is that a fireball or something? <laughs> we open in space with a great narration talking about what is happening out in space. And I really appreciate the report from this guy because he's telling us. Thorough. Yes, absolutely. He's taking us out to Mars and he's telling us about how Mars has really gone to pot. Uh, it's Things are really falling apart. And the Martians yeah. who live there need to go uh, find a new place to live. Yeah. I mean, this is tale as old as time. This is what Mars looks like here. We have a... Uh, it really does look like a sort of... There is a city ...polar wasteland, but there is a city... Out there, mm-hmm. uh, we don't get too much of this, but these are some very it looks nice like shots. The LA Basin, yeah, it's amazing. It's cool. They just added some water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Santa Monica Mountains um, in the background. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, are they filming Mash over there? They oh no, are. no, it's War of the Worlds. I'm sorry, it's, it's Mars. So then we kind of go through the solar system of like, well, if we were Martians, where would we go? And Pluto, you know, nice shout out to Pluto, no longer a planet. Uh, rest in power, Pluto. Mm-hmm. But they did say Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Classic. Um, they can't stay there for obvious reasons. Uh, and they can't stay on Pluto. It's too far out. It's too chilly. Um, we do get glimpses. Uh, of very, you know, they, they like Saturn because it's beautiful with its space dust and mm-hmm. its rings and everything. I mean, we all like, who doesn't want to go to Saturn, mm-hmm. right? But it's also, it's, it's too chilly, I believe, was the problem. I mean, Possibly. it's I can't remember, it's a real yeah. Goldilocks thing that mm, these definitely. Martians are out for. Uh, so, but then we get a glimpse of Earth, 
which is looking, I was really impressed with this mm. because it looks very earth-like. And again, we're not out there. Yeah, exactly. We, we haven't had that view back yet. Have yeah, we? we haven't had the the, the uh, Earthrise picture from the moon or anything, you know, or any satellite yeah, but photography. Yeah, we had like <sighs> globes? We have globes. We do know mm. that the world is round. Right. We have figured out cartography. Have, yeah. But, uh, the, you know. the The way the light is on this is um, really quite amazing. Yeah, we get clouds and atmosphere. I mean, yeah. it's pretty legit. It's not not bad. Mm -hmm. But this entire time, while we're here gushing over Earth, a bunch of Earth whores over here, mm. <laughs> uh, we are being watched and scrutinized. Right. So on Earth, we cut to some kind of meteor crashing, entering the atmosphere and crashing into a small town. At which point we get the classic line. Is that a fireball or something? <laughs> from this guy right here. <laughs> and this is, uh, we do get some some shots of, it's a real slice of 1950s life here. Uh, let's do a, a little hat count. It looks like the hat ratio is leaning. Well, we've got some children in this particular shot that we're looking at here, but we've got one, two, 60%. three, four, five. At least five full fedora style hats. Um, we are introduced to our main female lead, Sylvia, and her uncle, is the priest. Is she a famous actress? I don't know. She, okay, her so name is really Anne Robinson. And in uh, case you didn't know, she is an accomplished equestrian and stunt rider. Oh. Had no idea. This no. is great. This is what we keep you around for, sis. <laughs> this is, you're I bringing, will find you're a bringing gold girl. today. <laughs> Wherever <Yes. present. laughs> I believe she is wearing a wig in this movie. I think I read that somewhere. Really? On the internet. I mean, I, I don't know how you actually achieve that fringe. Uh, yeah, because she's got a full. She's got a. It's pulled back. Um, I could be wrong about that. Maybe it's mm. this part. I think it's this crazy. was just hair of this era, which is mm -hmm. very, in my mind, World War Two. 1940s, yeah. but we're talking 1953 like styles. We're in, we have not moved near mid-century modern yet. Yes, in 1953, it's true. I mean, this is a real bridge time between yeah, Second World War. I mean, she could be easily singing with the Andrews sisters mm -hmm. about the boogie woogie bugle boy. You Correct. know, like this is is very easy. And same with all these dudes. All these guys could be out reading, um, you know, the late edition about how the uh, Bombing of Monte Cassino is going over in Europe. You know, I love uh, this goober next to her on the other side with that kind of pork pie hat, though. The guy with the popcorn? Oh, no, no, no this no, guy. That guy. He just this looks guy. so like, well, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> He's got, and this was a style uh, for hat wearing gentlemen where you flip up the front. Mm -hmm. I guess it's kind of back in fashion these days, but you do look like a, a real goober. <laughs> uh, well stated. <laughs> But anyway, is that a fireball or something? <laughs> and there it is, crashing into the hills outside of this small town in this New is, Jersey. No, uh, no, 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 Southern California. 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 Yes. Remember, of she teaches library science at the University of Southern California. Yeah. So this could be like Pasadena. That's right. That's right. She got her master's degree, as we later find out. Library but she she'll tell us she doesn't know anything. <laughs> but she seems to does know she everything. She does. She does. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, She's hitting on Dr. What's-His-Butt. <laughs> Dr. Clayton Forrester, Dr. Clayton of course. Forrester. Of course. Very sleepy yeah. Dr. Clayton Forrester. This, of course, has been uh, reported uh, very casually by some forest rangers who are out in their uh, watchtower. And there's a, you know, a taller, handsome guy. And then there's a sort of rotund, funny guy. And, oh, my God. Do you uh, have they, a picture they race out of the there. campsite? 
Uh, absolutely. Because 1950s camping looks amazing. Oh, it's everything to me. <laughs> it's all I want. Um, so everyone's trying to eliminate these flames. And this guy's he's doing a good job. He is putting out the fire. He was reporting said fire. The guy he's talking to on the other end of his uh, radio, though, uh, is busy making a lot of assumptions. Apparently, like, word spread like, forgive me, wildfire, <laughs> that there are some scientists in town. Yeah. On a fishing trip. Uh, exactly. And yes. he makes the outrageous assumption, this guy of, uh, yeah, they probably saw it. Yeah, I'll give him a buzz. You know, like it's, it's a very, uh, yeah, I, th- I think there's some scientists fishing and maybe we want to talk to them. Were yeah, scientists really this popular yeah, though? Me. Like name brand, yes. like everyone has heard of you? Because I, I feel like no one is reading any research that's published in any... <laughs> That's well, no, these days, of course not. Maybe it was just big news that you know. It was like I science. think at the time there is. The, I think brains the t- were. Yeah, like there's a real on um, a fishing trip. Like a cult of personality around some of these scientists. You've got mm. Niels Bohr with his work mm. with the atom. You've got Robert Oppenheimer. You've got Einstein. For the first time, I, I think yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. it's probably yeah. that that period in time when something was kind of being uh, understood better something new was discovered like big things old rules were being like thrown away new rules were being written they didn't have protection for human subjects when doing research because you know glory times (laughs) (laughs) yay (laughs) pre-legislation that protected human beings from adverse reactions Mm. to research Let's talk about cozy camping scenes, everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, this really sums it up. For me, uh, this taps into something, some deep American uh, cultural memory mm-hmm. of like, this is what this is what 1950s America was about. If you want to look at the good things and ignore the uh, uh, the inequalities and the racism and the, you know, uh, ladies can't do good things and all that stuff that is very present at this time. We must not ignore it. We must highlight it so we can learn from it, right? But if we want to talk about good things, we see this beautiful tent. I mean, this is not uh, an average like pole style tent that we would see today. They had to drive stakes into the ground, like massive, you know, large support systems. We got a nice big canvas thing. Uh, We've got proper, uh, looks like cots in there, perhaps. They're wearing their flannel shirts. Life is grand. We're smoking cigs out here. And then the rotund uh, park ranger rolls up in his woody. It's what this kind of car was called. It was made of wood. Okay. Everybody is so so casual about this Mm. uh, earth-shattering event. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Chill about it. Oh, by the way. Okay. I guess at this point, it's a meteor. I don't know. You'd think you'd be a little excited about it. These guys don't. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Very, very relaxed attitude to investigation. Yes, but, but are used we to discovering new things every day? Because well, this is not splitting the atoms. This is true. So. It's just like, oh, really? A meteor? Oh goodness, we had three last week. <laughs> you know. Meanwhile, Dr. Clayton Forster arrives on the scene in the dirtiest car the world has ever seen, and he runs right into Sylvia. Mm-hmm. And again, he is, I mean, now he's on site. We see it's a meteor, but it is a big, peculiarly shaped object that is molten and on fire. Mm-hmm. His reaction is mostly nothing. He's just sort of like, oh, there it is. 
Can we also mention that he went camping in this particular vehicle that is a convertible and yes. I'm sure does not have four-wheel drive? It appears to be a banana yellow convertible. <laughs> There's a lot of mud up it. Yes. yes. Right. Had he's, some trouble. Right. He's been off-roading. I'm just saying, I'm like, mm. he went off-roading in like a land yacht. Yeah. <laughs> So he arrives and he meets Sylvia, who is a library scientist, as Mm -hmm. we find out. She is rifling through her purse looking for a a lighter to light her cigarette for Mm -hmm. about five minutes, it feels like. She's just in this very tiny purse looking for fire. It is a Mary Poppins bag, and it might have several chambers inside of it. That's true. She might be pushing aside coat racks and large mirrors and things like this. (laughs) It's hard to say. I will say, hey, Sylvia, there is a very large fireball right in front of you. Maybe you can light it on there. I mean... That, that would also be a very 1950s America thing to do. Hey, look at this. Fireball lands. Let's light up some smokes on this mm-hmm. guy, right? Uh, meanwhile, she's very impressed with Clayton's fishing skills. What is she I doing I think she's there? impressed with all of Clayton's skills. <laughs> They're all she is, though. She, I mean, she wrote a master's thesis on, on him. Yeah. She's very yes. busy running. Like she, and, but she has to be like, but I don't know anything. But I know all about you. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> right. I kind of felt like this was this was a real hard kind of come on moment, um, and it felt like the film had only been on for like a minute, and then you know mm-hmm. it was you know there was a being hit on kind of moment. Let's talk about Forrester for a minute because this is a very uh, I find it to be very low charisma. You know, he kind of shows up. He's not impressed with anything, uh, let alone himself. Mm. You know, she's gushing about him. He's like, oh, I think he's kind of a dick personally. You know, or and not so many words, but he's just very, very blah about everything. I can't get his deal. I, I have a note here that says, you know, as she's rifling through her bag looking to light her cigarette. He is simply matchless and grunting and. Uh, <laughs> This is his per- zero personality. Charisma. Yeah. Is he a famous actor? Should we know him for more uh, than this movie? I, I don't know what else he's been in. I don't know him in, from anything else. I'm. Sh- he's probably around. Yeah. I don't know. Carolyn, you got anything on this guy? No, um, because he's not a horse girl, so I don't care. Okay. <laughs> Great point. Well, that's something that we do know. He is not a horse girl. Uh, the local sheriff, who is also around, but is not really managing the scene of the crash, really. No one's really managing the scene. He ends up poking around in Forrester's uh, back seat, and this is where we see a shot. He's like, hey, hey fella, what do you got back here? It's making it's got lights and making noise, and it's a Geiger counter. But I did want to point out that in the back seat of uh, Dr. Clayton Forrester's car is, that a sandwich? is everything that I like about everything. We've got... Some kind corduroy, of like corduroy jacket. jacket. Nice. Geiger counter. Check. Yeah. We've got uh, a fishing, a wicker fishing oh, yeah, basket, nice. right? Very nice. A That's leather, leather. line. Real leather, yeah. Ah. Uh, it's buckled. Fishing basket. We've got what some oh. we've got some fish. That does look like trout. Yeah, and, uh, I would say river trout. Fish. Yeah. yeah. That's gonna that's gonna fry up real good. That would be amazing. Uh and so <laughs> Forrester's like, it's a Geiger counter. You know, he's got he's nothing. He's putting mm-hmm. nothing into it. And the sheriff, of course, immediately takes it from his hands without asking, just takes it, rips it out of his hands and starts Geiger counting all over the place. And they, he knows how to use it, right? <laughs> this guy knows nothing. Yeah, because uh, local law enforcement definitely knows how to use a <laughs> Geiger counter. <laughs> this guy should be... <laughs> Chasing uh, the Duke boys, you know what I mean? <laughs> not not counting uh, atomic half-lives or whatever. 
Dr. Forrester is just yet again hands on hips, like, yeah, there you have at it. Well, I guess take my Geiger counter. It's just my Geiger counter. I'm the one who knows how to use it. Anyway, they discover that the meteor is radioactive. Go figure. Well, all the good things are really, aren't they? Aren't they, though? They can make a lot of money off of that radioactivity, Mm. you guys. So. Uh, the sheriff, of course, helpfully notes, it's going crazy because it's really counting all the Geigers. And then they just decide, maybe we should keep people away from this thing. And, and the entire town, which is at this point been gathered around for at least several minutes, if not hours, is like, oh, yeah. Yeah, because I think it got light by, you know, yes. they were there. It's so, daytime now. Yes. Um, they've been they've been at it all night. At this point, everybody makes the very crucial decision to go square dancing. <laughs> it is baffling. It's a baffling decision. I feel like I the movie this party just scene. I thought it was so it great. Jumps from like so situation to situation. Random. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It it is entirely random. I don't. I mean, it's basically to get everybody away from the site so the three uh, knuckleheads Stooges. can can get roasted shortly. So we've got a meteor crash. This is interesting. Uh, it's real weird. Everything about it is really weird. But you know what? Cool That's square dance. It's not going to square dance itself. We got to go do this, people. Is that the American answer to the English cup of tea? Uh, yes. Yeah. Square dancing. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I think so. So we clear out the site, right? Everybody's going square. Da- you know what? Let's call today. Let's. We got to get ready for the square dance. Gosh darn it. We're going to leave... The three knuckleheads, they're local, they're townies. They're going to babysit the meteor. I don't know what their uh, just in case it mandate something was. else catches yeah. fire. Maybe just keep an eye on this thing. We got to go. So they enjoy their campfire for a little while. They're hanging out just next to this thing, which is still smoking. Then they go back over to check on the meteor. It's still there, simmering away. And then they decide immediately. That everything's fine and they can just go home. Again, <laughs> as I talk about this movie, maybe there are some flaws. Mm. I thought maybe this was my favorite movie, but I think maybe really? there are some. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really like that campsite, Trishma. I mean, I want to no. go camping. That, no. I, I cannot f- accept I have that. I want to fish not for a trout. camp person, but I definitely would like to go spend a night at that campsite. It it's is the definition site. probably of like glamping. Mm. Right. So as they're about to depart, as they've, with their expertise, decided, eh, things are fine. They're doing a load of speculation, but the, sh- the ship starts to unscrew itself. Yes. Now this is- Very, uh, Like for five minutes. Yes. It takes its time. But this actually in the in the in the book and the play, this is a real tension builder. Yeah. So I guess that's why there was a lot of focus on the film. And I find this to be very tension building. I mm-hmm. I, I think it's very effective. This scene. I don't know if you would agree with that, but I don't. I really like the the foley. I like the sound of the yes. unscrewing. Was yes. was really well done. And it's also kind of weird to see you know a thing moving that way and you don't know why it's doing it. I mean, you well, know, well, this really- is it. I mean, this can't, this, I mean, surely, I mean, they've had maybe mild doubts that this is a natural phenomenon, right. but at this point it couldn't possibly be a natural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is, this is quite unnatural. While this is happening though, we cut back to check up on Forrester and uh, his, 
you know, see how he's applying his square scientific dancing. acumen. And here he is. I mean, just square well, dancing his life away. And having a drink. You would, I mean, they're drinking sodas at this fucking square dance. Have a beer. I know, but 1953 is or, not as cool as 1959, obviously, because by 1959, they're getting drunk. Oh, yeah. They're drinking. Drunk they're, characters. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're having they're they got a drunk maid yeah, and pillow the of their heads. <laughs> they're drinking Gibsons on the 20th Century Limited and <laughs> fucking in their sleeper car. So, so sorry to. So something things. happens between 1953 and 1959 <laughs> where like the country grows up and like yeah. sex. It put on and its sexiness. big trousers. It's it a whole lot of <laughs> right. Money but meanwhile, this thing is still unscrewing itself. Uh, and what should emerge but some uh, eerie lights mm-hmm. and some smoke. Green, obviously. Gotta be green. Mm. And also a sort of a coppery. Eyeball on a yeah. tentacle robot alien well, the, the, thing. This is actually a little cobra-like, a little sneaky. Yes, kinda, it's got a hood some, of sorts. Kind of some hissing noises associated with it, and it emerges mm-hmm. very slowly in a way that I, I kind of felt like it was a bit cat-like. You know, uh, maybe it's cause we see a lot of cats in this neighborhood, but just very uh, curious, but also judgmental. Oh yes. Comes out, uh, the, the three knuckleheads, they are a sort of gobsmacked, as one would be. And to their credit, I will say, you know, these guys, they're not making great decisions. Uh, they're really fixated on monetizing the odd meteor crash. But their first instinct is to say, well, let's say hi. Let us welcome this uh, out-of-towner to the beautiful U.S. of A., the, the know-it-all at one point makes some comment about how Mars is closer to Earth every 18 to 20 years. Where did he read that? I mean, where, are you making yeah. stuff up? What is this? And then the other guy makes the point of, you know, about like everything human doesn't need to look like you and me. Doesn't it though? I mean, that would, human's a human, right? Absolutely. This is a robot cobra. Mm. This is a cobra. Mm. It's uh, mm. close. Uh, we'll work yeah. on it. We'll work shit. We'll workshop it. Anyway, so they they decide to let's make some context. So he's got a, an old white bag in his truck, and he goes and he puts it on a stick, and he waves the white flag. Yeah, because like everything in the universe is going to understand the context of a it's the universal flag. language of a white. And flag. that was the assumption they made that oh everybody understands yeah, yeah. this right? Oh, yeah, it's pirate code. It's parlay. This is easy. Everybody knows this, right? Right. <laughs> I know partly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that pirate talk. <laughs> yes. They must be taken to the captain of the ship. Right. We know this. Exactly. Right. So they, these guys, I mean, they're very good natured and they're very welcoming. And they shout things like, we're friends and hello and open up, which is uh, like. Really they, don't open up. Did we they mean. Close up and go away. Well, did they mean the meteor or did they mean like, tell oh. us your feelings. Open <laughs> <Okay>. up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I feel like the scene of welcoming um, aliens is pretty common, even in like recent movies. Like, sure, there's always mm. like a they try to welcome the aliens when that fails. This is true. Uh, the aliens. Well, it doesn't. Well, the aliens attack first. Independence Day mm. isn't yes. isn't one of the friends. She goes to the roof Should of the, the building and like, she's like, yeah. and they're all celebrating. Yeah. And then and then the whole thing opens up. Yeah. The laser it just destroys them. As yeah. as happens here. I mean, these guys. They get roasted, and it is so funny. I mean, I can't. (laughs) Pile of ash. It's just this. They are vaporized. Yeah. 
turn to but dust, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I really enjoy, and this is a consistent thing that I really enjoy about these Martians in this movie. It's, this is a, a check in the pro column for mm. me. It's the fact that they are relentless. Right. They mm-hmm. don't give a shit about any of this. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of let you. Home. Well, exactly. And they're just like, yeah, what's going on? You know, you know what? what? You're just, making too much noise. Yeah, yeah, just get yeah, out yeah. of my face. <laughs> Where's the, la- where the laser button? I didn't notice this before. Oh my god, it's their outlines of their yes. vaporized yes. bodies yes. on the ground. Yes. Sorry, just seeing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the ashes of our intrepid trio of townies, and we sort of take that in in uh, horror. And then the sheriff and Forrester look up, and there is the alien uh, cobra, of course. I don't know how they missed it. It was right there, but mm-hmm. they look up and see it. Some deputy or whoever uh, just books it away without the others, jumps in the, the uh, police car, tears away, leaving Forrester and the sheriff behind. Of course, the Martian eyeball cobra thing blows it up the truck. Yes. And uh, so they are now just kind of stuck out there. Yeah. It all starts uh, getting hairy. Yes. And at this point, Forrester suggests... Perhaps the military should be involved. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello again. Sorry about this. Sorry to break up the flow here. I, You know I respect a good flow, especially when the show flows as it flows before us. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. I did need to tell you guys about our incredible merchandise, though. I mean, the luxury, the quality, the exclusivity of it all. I mean, you can't have it unless you're listening to this and you get directed to the site. I mean, the odds of you stumbling into it at random are incalculable. So please, today we're going to highlight, it's a design we call the Blue Note, because, you know, this is kind of a corny era that we're examining here, but there was some cool shit going on in the meantime, and it was at Blue Note, a record label with some uh, crazy hot jazz if you will, but this is uh, our, our version of that. So you can go take home the, the names of the cast for your favorite old movie time machine podcast. Uh, today, I will suggest that you put this on. Hey, you know what? Why don't you put this on a tote bag? So when you go to the market uh, and you go get uh, some ears of corn or that bottle of fresh juice that you've been looking, you've had your eye on and you're like, I need that juice up over here you can just tuck them right into your your tote bag your old movie time machine blue note tote bag that's the one you want to check it out and support independent podcasting help us out guys uh and we will thank you uh back to the program forrester talks about how he believes again for some reason there's no evidence of this doctor but uh, he believes that the martians can be defeated somehow we yes, can't exactly. de- we can't defeat the but machines science. but we can get to them right mm-hmm. Sylvia tells us a story about getting lost as a child. Yeah. And she goes into this like reverie where she's like going on an emotional journey back into this moment where she gets lost. Mm. Ends she's up, still a lost child. Well, isn't she though? I mean, we. I just thought it was damn pointless. Well, was it? It pays off later Does because. It? At the end of this story, she goes to a church to be found. Oh, of course. This yes, is yes. Where she now runs I understand. Yeah, okay. And then she says, quote unquote, oh, I could blow my head off. <laughs> she says that. It's, and he's like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, like it's, it's <laughs> All right, dark. Calm down. Yeah, yeah. All right. He's like, whoa, you just went suicidal on he's me. Like, okay, no, 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 no. You were just cooking eggs a minute, love. Yeah, yeah. 
We're having this delicious eggs and bacon meal. Did they? They didn't actually toast eat. Over there they too. didn't eat anything. Today. Was this, this another was, case this of ab- abandoned meals? Abandoned meals. On, I mean, look at it. You're right. Oh man. I hate that. I'm so yeah. sad. I'm so sad. Mm. All that lovely bacon. Yeah, yeah. Stack of toast. Horrific waste. Fresh coffee off the. Oh, the, oh I bet it was sake. orange juice. What a waste. <sighs> um. So, so she goes real dark with despair for a minute. Luckily, though, we're bailed out of the scene. And unfortunately, for that beautiful breakfast that they were cooking, uh, the, they're interrupted by the sound of a cylinder, which is what we start calling the meteor. Mm. Uh, a cylinder entering the atmosphere overhead. They're kind of trapped. They've been sealed into this farmhouse. Mm. And at this point, we get a little glimpse of a Martian. Uh, Sylvia peeps him him through the door. There he is, this little guy with his uh, very long suction cup fingers sort of like backing away. It's almost like he tripped over something and it's falling backwards. Just a flash, but you get a little little peek at him. But I mean, in terms of the actual alien itself, it's body form speaking of let's get a look at this thing Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just it kind of looks gristle. like a, yeah it looks like a heart to me yes like with a big eye in the middle of it yeah and it also just looks a bit kind of like um it's sort of the body is kind of almost evolved into uselessness a little bit because of mm-hmm. maybe the reliance on technology yeah that could very well be i mean we do find out later through some analysis of the blood of this very creature that they're pretty weak. Mm. They're not uh, terribly well suited to survival. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, but this really looks like, I mean, if I could describe it to the listener, the body is made out of the same material as your tongue. I mean, mm. it's just yeah. like- it, it does look- Veiny, glossy muscle yeah. with this- Not sure if there's any bones or uh, anything or yeah. if it's just a large muscle mass. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really upsetting. Uh, which is great. I mean, 1953, and you're giving making me want to retch. Yeah, yeah. It's nicely done. This guy here, I assume it's like SecDef, Secretary of Defense, perhaps? Yeah. And are, he... Um, it's just like multi-country representatives here. This yeah. is yes. interesting headwear. Oh, yes, look at this. We've got... It looks could be French Legion or something like could that. Be. Uh we have some kind of naval officer from yeah, from the like, 1860s over uh, here. It seems so. <laughs> Captain Nemo again. <laughs> and again, oh yeah, we have another one of these uh, round mm-hmm. hats. Uh, yeah, so the, the gang's all here. Secretary of Defense or whoever this guy is, is like, well, look, the White House has authorized us to use <gasps> nukes. Yeah. So let's just get everybody ready for this. We don't want to do it, but nothing else is working, and the world is descending into migrating oh, chaos. You yes. know, so <laughs> everybody's talking atom bomb. Right. Mm. Everybody's looking forward to. I mean, they you know, really are looking forward to it. It's a gather. day out. They, it's a day out. They go out to the hillside. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Can Can we just note when they actually get to the point of like the countdown? Yes. Can I tell you this? Their phrase is four minutes to bomb time. Yes, bomb time. <laughs> Why didn't they say four minutes to detonation? But they called it bomb time. Bomb time. Every ah. single co- bomb time. I'm like, this is it's, detonation, people. Did we not have that okay. word Announced already? With glee. Attention, please. Four minutes to bomb time. Can we bomb also time. talk about the random application <laughs> of PPE here? 
Yeah, well, yes. tell us all about it. What do you see? I mean, this is everybody's rushing to uh, observe the bomb. What do you see? Well, some people have it, some people don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I would I would question the uh, effectiveness of the Rain Max. Um, yes. And the thing is, it's not like the people in the PPE are on the front line or anything. Everybody gets mixed up. And I'd like to point out a little later that um, Sylvia has – no PPE at all. Mm. Yeah. Because, no, I mean, obviously it's going to, like, interfere with the look. Because, right? you know, women and, don't matter. And she's a lady. Yeah. And you will exactly. notice. <laughs> she, uh, she probably reapplied her lipstick for bomb time. Right? Four minutes to bomb time. One always does. Four minutes to bomb time. <laughs> I always do, to, to be fair. my face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we see this, you know, this is an intrepid platoon of mid-century white men. I mean, they're all here. Yes. Not a lady to be found. Not a minority to there be found. There is a lady. She is right behind the first guy in the is PPE. It, this, this one right here? Oh, she's oh, okay. okay. Yes, that is, yes. that is also, no PPE. No. <laughs> she's busy taking minutes for bomb Probably. time. Here they are gathering yeah, the hillside. What is this? I, 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 I could not believe time. it is bomb time. Four minutes to bomb Let's time. pack some sandwiches yeah. and get up on get a good spot up on the hill there. Yeah, absolutely. Also, no one is recycling at this time, so they are going to leave their trash from oh, their picnic yeah, yeah. lunches yeah. to see the bomb detonation. But Just to be fair, gonna it's going to be scorched out. radioactive earth for decades to come yeah so, these are all <laughs> chernobyl hasn't happened yet they don't thousands know. of down but haven't drapers. they dropped the yeah. atomic bomb yeah, yeah. they should yes. know from hiroshima so, yeah well so we find out that uh from paul freeze the radio man that the bomb that they're going to be dropping on them is 10 times more powerful oh, okay. and they're and they're dropping this on american soil yes they are we look from a distance <laughs> Uh, and it's also another excellent it's a bunker. Nice shot, though. It's really beautiful. Yeah, Look at that sky. Yeah, that's a and this is painting. a well constructed. I mean, we got sandbags and everything. Um, again, some people with helmets, some people not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it's fine. And then um, they drop the fucking bomb on these things, and this is you know. So it kind of occurred to me, like mm. looking at the mushroom cloud that results from this. This we've kind of gone numb to this as a society, right? Yeah. This this image, but at the time, 1953, this is a very powerful, frightening image. Mm. Everybody lives in fear of this thing could happen at any oh moment. And I mean, in in reality, I think for existential purposes, we've had to sort of crowd this out of our the front of our consciousness because we still live in a world where yeah, this could happen. That mm-hmm. shit could happen any time now, especially mm-hmm. especially, now. especially right now, especially right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Guys, do you think this works? No. Um, it's kind of a no. Not if they say it's like 10 times stronger than the atomic. I think everyone knows that this is a pretty small explosion. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't it does nothing. Yeah. And at this point, the general wisely makes the decision of like, well, we're fucked. Okay, so let's evacuate the cities. And we're going to camp out here and hold the line. Scientists, you got to figure it out. You have to. Tell us what we're going to do here. We're out of ideas. We we dropped the big we dropped one. The bomb. It yep. did nothing. <laughs> it did nothing. So apparently, he's also been working with Sylvia. Sylvia's still around with in, with the science enclave. You got to have a library scientist on staff when you're trying to figure. I mean, every little bit helps, right? Of course. So downtown LA is just. Uh, 
melting down to nothing at this point. I have to find Sylvia. So he starts running. We get a lot of these awesome uh, empty street shots, mm. which they must have had the juice. I mean, it was the movie industry in LA, but they had the juice to shut down these streets and garbage them up a little bit. Some uh, powerful Some imagery paper. as he runs after yeah. Sylvia. So we had seen Sylvia also being loaded onto a bus at one point. This is part of the evacuation from the mob and the aliens and all of this. He finds shards of the school bus and so just assumes that she has been blown away, perhaps. And that's, you know, so that's disappointing for him. <laughs> and then that's a blow. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, and then the Martians show up and then they just go to town on uh, Los Angeles. I mean, and as we've seen before, you know, there's nothing stopping them. They just torch it and it's great. Beautiful model work yeah, again in the really film. Beautiful. Yeah. I just love everything about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Forrester then didn't he bump into some fellow scientists who told him that Sylvia they got separated. So he knows she's around in the city, but got pulled out of the bus. Okay, I knew there had to be a reason why. Yeah, I think I think he yeah, it was serendipitous. He bumped into some people. Oh, oh, okay. Who were sheltering. No. So some soldiers pull up. Oh, yeah, that's and, right. And they're like, "Hey, buddy, you got to get out of here. Yeah. They're they're here. We got to go." I gotta find Sylvia. Well, she's somewhere. I don't know. Somewhere. So then it clicks in with him, and he remembers the story about when she was lost as a little girl. He's like, ah, she gave me the end of the movie in the middle of the movie. So he starts running around to the churches uh, to try to find them. And we get some nice choir soundtrack here from these churches, very haunting mm. in the face of uh, the apocalypse, uh, when mixed with fire and explosion and lasers, which we're hearing you know, nonstop at this point. And everybody left is just waiting for the end. Just take me, you know. But their faith is still strong. Yeah, yeah. There's some kind of uh, <laughs> allegory here. I don't figure it out. But yes, um, all part of God's plan, presumably. So they're into it. Mm. Um, You know, so he's got to go from church to church. Doesn't find it right away. Meanwhile, L.A. is done. It's burnt to a crisp. Oh, man. It's it's over. (laughs) Yeah. So he eventually finds her at a different church where they are also singing. And uh, just as the Martians are about to destroy the church... All of a sudden, they just start to crash and just die down. And it turns out, do not reveal the exciting conclusion to the War of the Worlds to friends who have not seen, but it was the germs. Right. The germs that took down the mighty Martian army. And we get the, you know, we get a last shot of the Martian pause. It sort of like gasps for, for life and, you know, mm. tell my story or whatever it's saying there. And uh, Forrester makes gives the gives the line of uh, we were all praying for a miracle, and so you fill in the blank there of yeah. what happened. But all we know is that the smallest creatures that God put on His green great earth were the ones who took down the mighty Goliath, you might say, mm-hmm. of Martian technology. And, so is uh, it still science or is it like well this is I think that depends biology. very much on your perspective. Well, I mean, if you are a person of faith then and not of science, mm. then you will say God did right. it. But if it's sciencey, then you'll be like, Yeah, well Nature. 
Exactly. Right. Yeah, just nature is nature. And yes, mm. bacteria is bacteria. Right. right. And so it ends. The war of the world. But they didn't really war. Well, the, no, it was kind it was of an very, extermination, really. Right. It was a one-sided we were losing affair. and yes. then yes. nature took over. Mm. So. Well, this is ultimately we were powerless. Right. Yeah. Well, it yeah. just means that we're the superior species on our planet because we're already immune to those bacteria. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there like some final line around that, like, you know, billions of deaths we've earned our place on this planet or something oh, like that? Oh, something like that? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, strong message. Well, now that we've reached this point, we've walked through it, we've talked through it. Mm. How are we feeling about it? Shrishma, what? What are your thoughts on this? On the movie? Yeah, I mean, you gave us the scream. Interpret the scream for right. us. Um, <clears throat> you into this? So, it wasn't a great movie on its own. Okay. Um, but you know, I love I love me a good superhero movie. Yeah. And superhero movies inevitably involve some kind of alien invasion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've I, my love for MCU, all of that stuff, yeah. and I feel like this is the origins origins of that. Yes. Like conceptually, right? Yeah. So I think one of the questions is: Do we still do we still want to watch it today? I think we still do. Yes. Um, it's just evolved. Our storytelling has evolved and our, yeah, you know, our right. technology has evolved. So we are still seeing the same story. Yeah. Um, this is just, just Thanos. It's, exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, and so I'm with it. I like that this is this is where it all began. Mm. Right? I appreciate it for that. So we yeah. keep watching this. I, w- I mean, we, we are. Right. We are yeah. watching it. Um, yeah, it, well, this is it. I mean, it, it's this is Independence Day. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It, it's a it's a standing up to the you know ultimate. Right. Yeah. Except you know we clearly thought of better endings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's also <laughs> Jurassic Park. It's also Jaws. It's, uh, yeah. Know, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It has its place in cinema history for yeah. sure. Um, and and as you pointed out, it's from storytelling. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But Carolyn. The key question. And we keep watching this? I mean, I was a little bored by it. Oh. <laughs> it was definitely boring. Do I ever want to watch it again? No. Do I remember it? Because I'm pretty sure you made me watch it at some point. No. <laughs> Can I appreciate it from like its place in cinema history? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's tale of just how we are afraid of the other, whomever the other might be. Yeah. There's many others that we tell stories about. Um, because we're all xenophobic. Inside <laughs> society is anyway. People don't so, like things that are different. Because I have to pose the question. <laughs> and I kind of like the George Lucas interpretation of other worlds because he's got Wookiees and Ewoks and cute fuzzy things. Okay. Why are most aliens something slimy or sea creature-like or suction cuppy or something? How do we know if there's life on other planets? Because it's not, you know, science hasn't disproved. I mean, beyond our universe. Yes. What what if what if there's like a planet of dogs? I like dogs. Mm-hmm. Well, and and several sci-fi uh, writers and thinkers have have broached right. this topic. And you know, why must it be carbon-based life form? Why couldn't right. it be some yeah. kind of mist or something like this? Right. But uh, like, I think to like Lilo and Stitch, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, those yeah, were yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but to your point about that, it has to be repulsive. 
Right. But it yeah. has yeah. it has to elicit that yeah other Be- because the yes, horror because the other is this the scary thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know. So if it was beautiful but, and friendly and fetched do- uh, fetched balls and yeah. whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It> they <laughs> came know, to it, play it, fetch. Exactly. <laughs> I'm merely saying that we as humans are clearly capable of loving, you know, creatures that speak different languages Mm -hmm. or like communicate in different languages Mm -hmm. are not the same species Mm -hmm. as us, but can have very strong bonds. So Mm. what, and I do appreciate that actually at the beginning of this film, that both the uncle priest and the three bumbling goobers from town at least tried to be like, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. You know, so uh-huh. <laughs> do we keep watching it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely got its place. Am I going to watch it anytime soon? No, but that's also uh, because that, yeah, Dr. That, Forrester and Sylvia didn't really do Well, yeah, not a lot of chemistry <laughs> popping there. But they've also remade this movie twice since mm-hmm. this right. one. Mm-hmm. I think in, right. with Tom Cruise mm-hmm. and recently last year. If I'm not mistaken, did they? There's a 2021. Oh, well, they've done. Uh, War of Worlds. I know they've done several TV series. Yeah, okay, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I get you. Your point is taken. I'm not saying we pop this on for uh, you know a casual weekend watch necessarily. I mean, I will. Right. It's just me, but that guy. Says <laughs> so much about you. But look, I mean, it's uh, there. There's something to there's something wholesome to it somehow. I mean, look, we watched Pillow Talk yesterday. You know, a bunch of slappings and sexual assaults and everything. None of that here. No, you know. To be fair, this is quite respectful. Um, no. It's real heavy on the the warring, of course, mm-hmm. as custom at the time. But Catherine, what do you think? Do we keep watching this? Yeah, I mean, I I think I agree with all of the comments so far that it has its place, and um, you know. It was probably fantastic for its time. I still think the visuals are fantastic. Yes. yes. And the sound effects, mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and I think it, it set a tone. Um, and I think um, it's inspiration for, you know, storytelling. Yeah. I will say what I appreciated about it is for for its odd detours like the square dance for mm. example it really does i think kind of haul ass this yeah. is an hour and 25 minutes yeah. and you get the end of the it world it's quick it books mm, it's book like once it goes i mean look it's a lot of stock footage of missiles being launched i get it but i mean it is it's called the war of the worlds they're putting it on front street what you're what you're right. here for so mm. look i I'm all I'm in the bag for this one. Mm-hmm. I do uh, think there it. is something that has happened between this in 1953 and then the two movies we've just watched in 1959 mm-hmm. in terms of like on-screen sexiness. Mm. Yes. So, I'm sure we will discover this as we watch more <sighs> films. Like, I can't wait to find when out. When is this transition in the 50s yes. to like you know, the magnetism of Cary Grant lighting Miss Kendall's cigarette yes, on the train. Yes, right. and that, you know, how the entire thing. Yeah. How do we get how do we get from the War of the Worlds to that? Yeah, because this is so buttoned up. Yes. Right. We're just gonna have to keep digging, you guys. Mm. Guys, we made it through another movie. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's still premiere week. We've got Thursday, right? right. What? We're watching another one tomorrow Yay. and talking about it. 
We're going to be talking about, okay, guys, so far we've covered action thriller, North by Northwest, romantic comedy. That was that was with. <laughs> Sorry, yes, yes, yeah. and yes. Yeah. Mm. Trishma, you're tough. And yes. You are tough. <laughs> Number two, romantic comedy. Yes. Or a sex comedy. Oh. Today, a little bit of sci-fi. Right. Tomorrow, though, I want to, let's bring it back down real quick, but in a very dramatic fashion. We're going with a drama tomorrow, oh. okay? Oh. Dramatic Ooh. romance. It is... 1956s. This is right between 53 and 59. You guys, this might unlock the secret to sexiness in the U.S. Right. Written on the wind. Directed by Douglas Sirk. The summary is as follows: Alcoholic playboy Kyle Hadley marries the woman secretly loved by his poor but hardworking best friend, who in turn is pursued by Kyle's nymphomaniac sister. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. Starring okay. Rock Hudson. Oh, the Rock hey, is back. What's no boy. Lauren Bacall. Oh, hello. Ooh, I love Mrs. Lauren Bacall. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Robert Stack. Oh, you had me on Rock Robert Stack. Well, okay. you're going you're gonna to get <laughs> some this more. Is, this is some eye candy going to be happening. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, Lauren Bacall is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's excellent. Darling. <laughs> And if you want to get in touch with us, tell us what you thought about the War of the Worlds. We really wish you would. We want to know what you think. Do we keep watching this thing? You want to now email us at partyline at (laughs) oldmovietimemachine.com. We've made the decision. We're sticking with it. Thank you so much for joining. Catherine Sherlock, Shrishma Naik. Hi, good night. Yes, good night. Uh, oh, it's downtown. Are you bedding down? Good, good evening. Oh, yeah. Good evening. Oh, oh, to oh. go up for the evening. Up the apples and pears. Oh. <laughs> Carolyn Nowrose. Turn in for the night. <laughs> Whatever will you turn into? <laughs> Grandmama. I guess we'll see. <laughs> and so concludes today's episode of Old Movie Time Machine. And if you are enjoying this lengthy conversation about the War of the Worlds, understand that we the conversation that we had was actually more than twice as long as what you just heard. So if you would like to experience that, please join us at the Boom Room. It's our Patreon page. It's the place where you can go, and for two bucks a month, you can get the uncut version of every episode we put out on the free feed. It tends to be pretty long, you guys. So if you like the talk that you're hearing, you can go get more of it. It's available to you. Uh, over on the Patreon. So please do that. It's two bucks a month. Not a big deal. So tomorrow, as previously mentioned, we're talking about Written on the Wind from 1956. This is available to you only in stores, I'm afraid, unless you want to get, look, you, you can get creative out there to find Written on the Wind. I mean, if I can find it, you can find it. But understand that right now it is not currently available on any streaming platform Kind of a kind of a mess up on my part. Sorry about that. But you can get a spectacularly restored Blu-ray version of it. Or if you are kicking it old school and do not want to see things in high definition with complete pristine clarity and remastered color timing and all this, you can get the standard def version. You can get it on DVD. And if DVD is too good looking for you, please get yourself a VHS copy of this. It's available the low, low price uh, used, unfortunately, but $2.44 as of this recording. So check it out. Written on the Wind. We will see you here tomorrow as Premiere Week rolls on. 
And until next time, this has been Old Movie Time Machine.